and stay tuned for the Renewable Energy Hour. Good evening, Mendonesia and World Wide Web. This is Doug Livingston and the Renewable Energy Hour. And with me, as always, is Alex Aragon, commuting by photons and electrons into the studio here in Philo. Hello, Alex. Hey, Doug, and hey, Mendonesia. Mendonesia. I like that name. Yeah, it's It's better than Mendonoma. Yeah, we, like we we got more connection to Lake County and Humboldt County than Sonoma County in a lot of ways. Yeah, I'd say so. Definitely feels like we're we're all part of a big area up here that's on the northern end of the Bay Area. Sonoma no. still feels like the Bay Area to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, more and more every year. My my uh, father-in-law remembers when it had one traffic light in Santa Rosa, <laughs> but. All right, so uh, the Renewable Energy Hour. We uh, we had uh, our trading time version of Renewable Energy in that uh, Energy Hour last show, and that was our Pledge Drive show. And I'm sad to say we did not get a single call for the first time ever on the Renewable Energy Hour. And we often get, you know, a thousand, even two thousand dollars in pledges during our show. So. If you're one of those ones who usually pledge and just were so excited to do the Renewable Energy Hour Trading Time Show, you can still go to the website, uh, kzyx.org, and hit that big red donate button and uh, contribute. Maybe even mention the Renewable Energy Hour, or they're going to or they're gonna cut us off the air just by sheer sign of our lack of popularity. I doubt it. We'll, we'll, pro- we'll probably fall off our stools first. Well, we were on hiatus for quite a while, so maybe maybe everyone's having a little backlash against yeah. us for that. Well, and we are in a different time slot than we used to be for a long, long time. We were at 9 in the morning, um, and it seemed, right. seemed to be a bit of a different audience. But uh, anyhow, a uh, few things in the news. Uh, you know, one, one thing that is exciting and depressing at the same time uh the u.s was officially in the past year at five percent of the electric goods power was powered by solar actually more by wind um but to think that you know 10 15 years ago it was in the fractions of one percent that's progress but not nearly fast enough progress and it looks like joe manchin's going to be in the way of faster progress yet. Hey, well, hey. he's got a lot of interest in uh, coal, as I understand. He does. He's uh, uh, both in his business practices and in his uh, campaign contributions. <laughs> and, and 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 he's a hard one to to know what to do with because uh, he was a Democrat elected, well, supposedly a Democrat elected, you know, in a state that. Trump won by substantial margins, so it's hard to imagine someone more progressive coming out of West Virginia, given that record. But but he is definitely in Cole's pocket to some degree, and uh, he must have an interesting set of electorate to uh, try to please. Yeah. So what do you got in the news? Well, it's more... Uh 
more on how things are affecting uh, the industry from you know what I see as an installer. Uh, one of the biggest pinches recently has been copper or uh, you know just wiring prices. Um, anybody who's been buying wire for uh, projects has seen it go up quite a bit. Uh, it's it's uh, about double what it was uh, before the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, it's about three times what it was. I'm not too you know distant memory. <clears throat> um, funny sometimes uh, you know I'll buy I'll buy some wire that. Has been in stock for a while at some place, and they have you know regular price like you know four watt battery cable. It's that's something I buy pretty frequently. Uh, it wasn't long ago; it was uh, five dollars a foot. Then it went up to six dollars a foot. Well, now it's now it's uh, around eleven dollars a foot, depending upon where I buy it. Wow! Um, yeah, it's uh, still available, but man, it's really uh, putting a pinch on things. Well, it's not that's not the first time that's happened. I remember you telling me a story about doing a bid for a job at the south end of Ukiah and between the time when you did the bid and a week later or it was something. over a weekend it, went yeah, up it was over a weekend went up 30 percent or something yeah yeah that was, that was an anomaly there but this is this is yeah you know, that was that was 30 percent from a reasonable price now we have uh, now it's already you know, went up from that and now it's uh you know yeah. Doubled in some cases. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah, um, I was looking into it. It's not all just the price of copper itself. Uh, you know, copper is only part of the product. The other part is the insulation they put on it. Uh, mm-hmm. Costs went up for that insulation material too. Well, and and how, all this sh- how much of oh. it is supply chain pinches? You know, the ability to get it from one place to to where it's wanted. Well, that's what's causing the, the price increase. Well, part of it anyway. Uh, the other part is uh, the materials they use for shipping, like the the wood for the reels and the plastic that they uh, wrap things with, and and the shipping too, of course. Uh, and when you get shortages like that, you start to have you know different uh, supply houses and stuff like that. You know, increasing how much they are paying for it, so they wind up you know charging more at the customer end. And uh, you know, I guess uh, <laughs> you know they they price enough people out. People aren't going to buy as much. I, you know, I used to go and buy a battery cable. Oh, I'll, I'll get 30 feet of it, and I'll probably use 20. Uh, not anymore. <laughs> you know, <laughs> get an extra 10 feet of cable, and that's a, you know, that's that's, that's, that's an extra 100 bucks. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm trying to be more efficient about everything, and, uh, you know, it's still, still going up in price. So, definitely putting a pinch on things. No, I better go. I better go check the prices. I just did a spreadsheet for a grant request and estimated wiring costs, and I may have underestimated. Yeah, another thing that happened too is well, you know, it started raining. So for me, every time it starts raining, my phone starts ringing. People start calling, saying, "Oh, my my system's down. All your generator didn't start, right?" Oh yeah, yeah. Was it on automatic? Uh, I think so. You know, it could be the battery's dead, or it could mm-hmm. be I just have it set for automatic anymore because they turned it off once and forgot to reset it didn't need it all all during the good weather uh but now it's that time and so uh people are also starting to see uh, their batteries that are they were making it through the summer now or mm-hmm. getting weak holding like they used to um and uh, i just had somebody uh call me up looking for some l16 batteries and so oh, sure yeah I'll, I'll get a price for you and i got on the phone uh, to make some calls, looking for L16 batteries, you know, regular 125-pound building block batteries that are so common in a lot of... And what uh, what were you expecting them to cost a piece? 
Well, I was expecting somewhere around 300. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it's always been plus or minus for a while. But so far, I haven't. Looking today, I was not able to get the price or availability. I got a couple different suppliers who are saying, oh, yeah, no, we have leads on them. We'll, we'll look at your price. And didn't get one by the end of the day. Uh, some of the places that uh, I usually get them, they're just not available. Do you ever do business with uh, Pete and Calpella? Yeah, he's, he doesn't have any of his uh, regular um, interstate batteries available right now. Huh. Uh, Whoa. They said they aren't going to be getting any until you know January or so, probably. Oh, I just had a client who got a bunch from him. Maybe that was the last of the supply. Yeah, it was probably on order, but they uh, last I asked, which was a couple of days ago, they did not know when they would be getting more. Ouch. So, uh, yeah. Also, if you uh, have you know a bigger bank of batteries you're trying to replace, uh, <laughs> good luck. Uh, it could be you know many many weeks out. Uh, there's it hasn't been you know it's been pretty common for you know if you have a big set of roll strut batteries or some specific Trojan batteries or something like that, it could take, you know, six weeks, but it's, it could be taking, you know, three months and longer now. Uh, so if you have batteries that are questionable right now, you might want to start doing the research and looking yeah. for the replacements. Uh, fun enough, it's easier to get lithiums right now than it is to get uh, lead acid in some cases. It is easier? Cause I have, A little bit. I have at least yeah. one client who's uh, looking to convert over shortly. Yeah, well, hopefully it stays the way it is. I mean, lithium batteries have other problems, too. Like, you know, the the, the BMS systems in them, the battery management systems use chips. And, of course, there's the chip shortage that's been affecting the the uh, vehicle markets, you know, the mm-hmm. auto manufacturing. That's uh, been a problem with, uh, with uh, battery storage. Um, Elon Musk was uh, saying they're having troubles uh, sourcing enough chips to meet their demand, too. So Although he he apparently did a better job than some of the other car manufacturers in terms of keeping up with that. Yeah. Well, that, that was another interesting thing in the news that, uh, what was it, Hertz Rent-A-Car just committed to buying 100,000 Teslas? Really? Wow. That's uh, interesting. Well, they were almost bankrupt, you know, uh, a year ago from... Nobody traveling and nobody renting cars and and uh, because of supply chain issues, particularly the chip issue, the price of used vehicles went through the roof and, right. and they were able to sell all their old cars off at through the roof prices that saved them. Ah. Um, so interesting ups and downs of the supply chain. Yeah, I guess. Um, are, are you seeing other supply chain issues or tariff-related issues? Well, it's mostly, for me, it's mostly uh, I'll go looking for parts I need, and there'll be a huge backlog on them. Uh, you, know, you used to be able to walk into Friedman Brothers or go into uh, Platt Electric Supply and order a specific panel, uh, and a specific electrical panel, and now if I go in there, um, you know, if I'm looking on the shelves, it's, oh, Will that one work? I don't know if that one's going to work for my needs, or there might not be enough breaker spaces. You know, I can't get the specific one I'm looking for anymore. When I go to Platt and order them, uh, they'll tell me that one's not available. <laughs> you know, or here, basically, I've been starting to go in and say, "What do you guys have? What what can I get?" Uh, and you know, try to make that work. Um, and uh, yeah, you can't really count on getting exactly what you're looking for. Sometimes you have to improvise. 
uh, breakers have been uh, been hitting this too. Fortunately, I have quite a supply of odds and ends breakers in my own uh, storage. Uh, but uh, there's times when you can go down and looking for a 30 amp two pole breaker, you know, which is pretty common for a lot of things like you know pumps or you know small outbuildings or something like that, and they just aren't around. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, we don't have them. We don't know when we're getting them. I wonder what what the problem is in keeping those in stock. Now maybe just you know containers lined up out of L.A. Yeah, that's a, that's one of the parts on the news is that those container ships are uh, piling up and you know having to having to sit in queue twenty miles out and such and dragging know, dragging their anchors or, across yeah. pipelines. Yeah, and um, of course they're blaming it on uh, labor shortages, and you know, I'm sure that's part of it. Uh, big part of it. Uh, part of it's uh, trucking shortages. They can't get it out of the 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 dock onto trucks. Yeah. So is that a matter of trucks not running? You know, people not not driving them or what? So I I I may we live in interesting times. <laughs> we do. As as God. and uh, we got uh, on the interesting time front, probably the most interesting. Times is the threat of global warming and weirding, um, but boy, that was a fun rainstorm. How'd you do up in uh, in Willits? Uh, I actually happened to uh, be down in Palo Alto over the weekend, and uh, I was on my way back up on Sunday during the storm, and I drove up drove back up uh, the Oakland side of the bay and came over the the uh, Santa Fe Richmond Bridge. Uh, oh my gosh! It was it was just absolutely nuts. The uh, wind was blowing so hard. There, you know, I, I was having my Ford F one fifty. I was feeling the wind really hard. I couldn't imagine being in a motorhome or a large truck trying to come across oh, there. Th- those people pulled over. Yeah, well, some of them did. I guess apparently a couple got knocked over on that bridge uh, later in the day. Wow! Uh, and when you get to the San Quentin side, you know, the rich, the Santa Fe side, um, there's that area where the where the bridge drops down, so it's just a few feet above the ocean, and the, the waves were uh, whipped up so much by the wind that it was blowing sheets of, uh, of salt water you know, <laughs> across the across the lanes of traffic. Well, now you can get some Ohio rust on your car. Yeah, there you go. Well, the, at least the good news was we got you know more than a third of last year's total rain accumulation in one twenty-four hour period where we live. Yeah, I, I've been really curious. I haven't, been able, I haven't driven by uh, Lake Mendocino yet since that, but I'm really interested to see what it looks like this week compared to last week. Filled up a bit more. Yeah, in, in what, uh, something like a five-day period, we got uh, more than half of last year's rain accumulation. Holy cow. Uh, but that that's cherry-picking the statistics because last year's rainy season was so pathetic yeah i've also been getting some news from uh various customers saying oh yeah i need you out here but we got to do some road work before you can make it you know? <laughs> yep that, we live on top of a ridge so we experienced no flooding and we didn't have any big tree falls but yeah our roads got torn up something fierce I bet. one of our culverts got plugged and so we had massive erosion gullies across the road we lost another big tree limb, but other than that, we're okay. Yeah. Well, uh, may we live in interesting times. Anyhow, uh, we we were hoping people would call in, join the conversation, maybe talking about supply chains. Uh, 
we also had uh, where I was curious about uh, anybody who's actually got a battery-based grid tied system and curious how you use it. Are you using it just for backup or are you using it for what I would call load shifting where you're perhaps charging your batteries in the morning from the sun when the power is cheaper and then drawing off the batteries in the evening after the sun is chilled uh, when the rates are still high and curious how that's going. We also always love to hear people who've got uh, feedback on makes and models of electric vehicles that they've gotten are starting to experience. So if you've got something to add and, and anything at all in the renewable energy world, uh, give us a call here at the Philo Studio at 895-2448 and we'll put you on the air and try to talk about what you're talking about and perhaps address questions or add on or subtract well we've already got calls great hello caller you're live on the air yes hi douglas um i have a question if you have some uh l16s that you know there's a kind that have the three the three cells in each battery yeah all all l16s do right right exactly um and uh, I watered them the other day, and I noticed that they all needed some water, except two cells in two different batteries were still completely full. What does that mean? Oh, that can mean a couple of different things. Alex, you got a input in that? Yeah, that, that can be uh, cells operating differently than the other ones. Um, do you have a uh, voltage meter, a little handheld yeah. one? Not just mm-hmm. one for the whole system, but like a, a multimeter that you can put on across the batteries? Yeah. Okay. Well, if you uh, if you touch your uh, you touch your meter leads, you know, the wires to to each end of each battery individually, you know, so the the posts where the cables connect to them, you should have mm-hmm. the same voltage on each battery, approximately. You know, like they'd be about six point four volts or somewhere in that range. Uh, now, it's gonna it's going to be different a little bit depending upon if you're charging or if you're pulling a load, but you want those to all be about the same. If you uh, if you test across those batteries that have the different cells in them, you might see a different voltage in them. If that's the case, you, you, hopefully it's uh, not going to be too bad. You know, if you have a uh, six volt battery and it's only ringing out at four volts, you got a dead cell. Yep. Uh, if, you, if you see anywhere near two volts down from the rest, that means that cell is toast. Um, yeah. But another possibility is that those cells aren't as charged as the rest. And and that perhaps an equalize would fix it. Um, okay. But but probably the easiest first off test is early in the morning before the sun's on the array while there's still a net load on the system and you've been drawing on them overnight. Go out and measure the voltage of each battery, and uh, mm-hmm. and if those two are radically lower than the rest, particularly if they're approximately two volts lower than the rest, then that would say, oops, those those guys are toast. Um, if it's only just marginally lower than the rest, I would try to do an equalized charge. Do you know how to do that? Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. How long has it been since you've done one? Uh, a while. A while. And you do, yeah. that, you do that with your generator, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, what I do is what I do is I let them charge up as much as possible with the sun, and then I bring in the generator. Good. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, because otherwise you run up the generator forever and ever. How old are those batteries? Um, let's see. Eight, 18 and 19. 
two different years. Yeah, two, two yeah. groups of eight. Okay, yeah, well, added a second string on. Months. They're about nine months different. Okay, okay. Are, yeah. are all the ones that are not taking water in the same string? Yeah. Um, number two and number six of eight. And is that the older string? Yes. Okay, that that's not a good sign, but uh, <laughs> um, uh, and that's a good long life out of those batteries, though. My gosh, eighteen and nineteen—that's yeah. not that long for L16s. No, tw- twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen. Oh, okay. I thought you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were saying 18, uh, 18 and 19 years. No. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> that would be outrageous. I wouldn't have even called you. I would have just replaced <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Um, and you might also check uh, check your your cable cleanliness and tightness. Um, it may be that Yeah, you're... that was just redone. Okay, good, good. Um, mm-hmm. So I would do an equalize. Uh, and, and uh, well, first I would do the easy test and and with them under load, measure the voltage. Okay. Um, uh, and under, by under load, you mean have something running in the house, some appliance or something? Yeah, and no, and no charging. So hopefully, right, hopefully right. early, early in the morning or in the evening. Yeah, the, turn on a fairly yeah. large load if you have yeah. one available. The larger the load, the more obvious it'll be. Okay. What what Alex okay. used to call a torture a torture test or something. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, right. and, and 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 that's real easy. And if you see that those two batteries are are uh you know anywhere near two volts lower than the rest instead of just a matter of a tenth or two difference um that that's a sure sign that those cells have failed uh did you also have do you have a hydrometer um a little i think so (laughs) a little turkey baster thing where you squeeze the bulb on the end and suck that up that that's also something you can do um if, and, and if you see that, you know, all the rest are, you know, 1.21 or something like that, and those are at 1.1, that's another sign that those cells are in bad, bad shape. Mm-hmm. And let's, if, uh, let, if we're, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, if they're so far gone that you have, you know, some at 4 volts instead of 6 volts, uh, you're probably too far along to yep. get much out of equalizing at that point. Uh, right. Equalization will just kind of torture the cells that are still good and make them off gas a lot and build up heat. Uh, bad ones. So, you know, there's a tipping point where things can get too bad. But hopefully, your voltages will be nice and close to each other, and you won't have that problem. If they're relatively close to each other, then I would do a, an equalized charge and see if you can bring those two cells back into line with the rest. And if those two cells turn out to be bad, can they be replaced, or do I have to replace the whole string, uh, all eight of them? Uh, you could replace them. Uh, the problem is that that the that the other batteries are probably substantially aged, and and my experience is that you pretty much age the new cells fairly quickly to the age of the old cells, and so there comes a point where you wonder whether that's worth it. Um, mm-hmm. But maybe you can uh, measure the specific gravity of all of your cells and uh, send me an email. Okay. And uh, and we can evaluate whether it's worth doing that sort of risk. Uh, if the if the whole bank is getting on the edge of death, something I've tried recently that that works surprisingly well and for a surprisingly long time, Alex. I don't know if you've ever done this. 
uh, on an old bank of L16s where I didn't want to spend the price of a new L16 knowing it would get aged, I've dropped in a golf cart battery. What? <laughs> and, and gotten, you know, another year out of the bank that I was sure was about to go over the cliff. Okay. And and so, you know, spending uh two hundred dollars on two on a hundred bucks a piece on two golf cart batteries to get you know, another year out of your in your case, what is it, a three thousand dollar battery bank mm-hmm. might might be worth it. My tendency is not to replace it with uh with new L sixteens because they're three hundred bucks or five hundred bucks given the supply chain going on right now. If they're available at all. If yeah. they're available at all, yeah. Right, right. And you mean a two volt golf cart battery? No, they're six volt. Just like the oh, L six okay. just like the L sixteens are. There's a lot of different okay. uh, golf cart battery voltages and stuff. There's a lot of they're twelve volt now too. There's uh, golf yeah, the, right. the the traditional old golf cart battery was always six volts, but there are some weird okay. weird ones now. But they have three caps on them. Three caps battery. is a six volt. Okay. All right. And uh, Cos- All right. Well, I got my homework. <laughs> Costco has those for a hundred bucks a piece. Ah, good to know. Okay. And but they do charge you a fifteen dollar core charge if you don't bring in an old dead battery. Okay. It's like a deposit. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Good luck. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye bye. We got another call. They're gone. Caller, call back. You were there just a little bit ago. interested in hearing from is uh, people's uh, chargers they use at home for the electric vehicles. Uh, there's like juice box and there's different uh, brands that will come with the cars. Curious about those and how much power they're using, you know, what their settings are they're using for their home power system. All right. We have a patient caller sighing in the, in the hinterland. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Am I in the hinterland? You're you're live in the hinterland. Excellent. I have an urban question for you, though. Urban? Oh, my God, we can't take it. (laughs) I figured as much. You bright lighter. Um, Can I ask it? Oh, you can. We we may not answer. I was informed that in an urban setting, if you have a building that uh, the owners of the property to the south of you uh, block you, but you put up solar panels um, preemptively that they can't block your sun. Yeah, you're going to have to rely on a, on a judge on that, but California does have a law along those lines. And in at least one case, uh, an owner uh, was required to... Ch- Top his redwood trees. That uh, that at the well, I have a, I I have an extremely wealthy, large uh, landowner in Marin County, uh, and I own a property in downtown San Rafael, who uh, can put up uh, almost a hundred foot building uh, in their new general plan. San Rafael has been co opted by. A number of very influential uh, people in their planning department, which is 
had a huge turnover in the last couple of years. Nobody is, uh, you know, recognizable to us oldsters down there at City Hall. And um, they plan on doing some, just an orgasm of huge buildings in downtown San Rafael. And I have a classic old Victorian that's going to be blocked by the sun and the view of Mount Tamalpais. Uh, by interests that have taken over uh, city government. And it's mainly because of, uh, uh, you know, a die-off in in city government and a lack of interest by the locals. Well, uh, there are laws on the books in California. Look up... uh Look up things like California Solar Rights Act and California Solar Access Laws online. And, I will, thank and, you. And you, you might chat with a lawyer, too. You got anybody in particular that uh, um, you could suggest? Oh. I, 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 you know, I, I, I'd like some direction on this. Um, I, I'm not well-informed on lawyers out there. I, I tend not to have to deal with them, thank goodness. Thank goodness. <laughs> but uh, but if well, you do a little reading, it um, may give you some perspective on, you know, whether it's worth worth pursuing that. Um, well, you know, I could put up some and, solar panels, and you know and what, just to mess with them. There, yeah, you know what? There, there. I think there is a stipulation that uh, that they can pay you for the cost of the solar system that is being blocked. And if they're talking, you know, 100-foot buildings, you know, buying out your solar system is going to be a drop in the bucket to make their problem go away. But I'm not positive on that. You might do a little research online and and look up those couple of phrases. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. And uh, I'm not going to go ahead with that if they can buy me out because everything's for sale in San Rafael. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's also some solar easements. So you definitely want to check into that. Um, some properties have yeah. easement, uh, you know, stated that they have to, you know, be compensated for loss of access to the sun, basically, if uh, somebody else, you know, wants to build adjacently. So definitely. Uh, okay. Well, um, I'm going to check that out, and I really appreciate it. And uh, thank you very much for the information. Sure enough. Good luck down there in Marin. Good. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. 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 <laughs> Maybe it's time to move north. And we just had a caller who dropped off the line. Eight nine five two four four eight. Looks like they're back. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Oh, hi. I couldn't hear what the topic was because I was on the phone. Oh, Bill, your um, your phone's all fuzzy. <laughs> we we don't have a specific topic. We had a few a few seeds planted, but the specific topic is renewable energy. What's up? Okay, well, I finally made the plunge and got the uh, this is Bill. I got the lithium batteries up. I've been one of the you've dispelled several of my myths, but anyway, um, should I let? I was, I was I thought they'd last longer if I didn't like bring them up the last ten percent of charging from ninety to say a hundred. Well, Alex has got more experience with that. Are you hearing him, Alex? Yeah. He's a little hard to heal here. Yeah, my, my impression was that, yeah, you don't want to fully, fully charge them, and you don't want to run them all the way down to zero, but it's still a pretty big range. What what 
What's your wisdom? My wisdom, uh, well, actually, it's from the battery manufacturers. Just suggesting to operate them uh, between about twenty percent and ninety-five percent uh, capacity. Yeah, I was thinking ninety percent was not quite as high as I've been hearing. So, Bill, you're hearing that, and you know, yeah, most of what he's hearing is ninety-five percent of full. So, so I got the kilovolt. Bluetooth batteries, there doesn't seem to be a function where I can tell them, okay, 95 is good enough. Hey, with the, with the kilovolt batteries, um, caution, how many of them do you have, first off? are you? Uh, is it a single unit or multiples? I have a two pair for uh, 24 volts. With kilovolt batteries? Four battery banks. <laughs> so and I go around. So four two- batteries, 12 volts each. They're in a series and parallel things. So, two two strings of, of four 12-volt units. Okay. Or uh, two 12-volt units. Uh-huh. Two 12-volt units, and then in parallel with two more 12-volt. Okay, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not uh, familiar with that particular configuration of kilovolts. Um, but a couple of the things that do come up with uh, lithium batteries is that you do need to get them all on the same footing. Uh, and to do that, you need to get them... They are. <laughs> so they've got them up to... They come that way, but they caught each other right up and, you know... Yeah, so you brought them all up to uh, to their highest uh, charging voltage and let them yeah, all get I, the... I, uh, the sun was still shining a week ago or two when I got them, and so we got them all the way up to 99%. Well, not just the, 99%. The charger shut down, and because yeah. it's such a long ways back down to recharge voltage... Start up for the rest of the day. Yeah, here's the gig with though is that 100 percent isn't necessarily 100 percent. Well, uh, it says 99.9. Uh, okay, so hold on, let me let me finish this though. So the battery management system in the batteries themselves, they don't actually know exactly what the percent of the battery is. They rely on it to have gotten full, to get to 100%. I don't mean just like 100% by its meter. I mean actual 100%. That would be to their highest charging voltage. Sometimes there's an initial charging voltage they'll recommend uh, where they have to get up to a certain point, and then they actually have to see the charging current drop off. So they get up to the high voltage, they're accepting the charge, and then it, it curtails the charge. That's when they're actually 100% uh, full, and that will calibrate the the monitor in them to know where you know whether it's really 100% or not. When you get them fresh off the shelf, uh, they might not actually be calibrated in their BMS system, so they might say 100%, but it might only be like 78%, or it might be 85%. Well, yeah, that's that's how they came, but then they all bumped right up to top charge. You know, I mean, they- well, if you. If it's just that the BMS system is saying it's 100%, that might not actually be 100%. So there's going to be a kilovolt specifically. I've dealt with other other models of kilovolt. They have a protocol that you're supposed to do where you're supposed to do an initial charge and bring them all up to a higher state of charge than their normal, uh, than their normal charging parameters. So you got to bring them all up by the instruction of the manufacturer. And you're going to have to change the set points in your, in your regular charging equipment in order to attain that. So well, you can't I just kind of did that with my good old fashioned battery charger for the car. I brought I actually brought them closer together before I mixed them up together. But yeah. 
Okay, well, I'm just saying there's a specific there's a specific uh, protocol for doing it that the battery manufacturers have, and if you haven't done that specific protocol, then they might be off. They might not be actually truly 100% charged. Hmm. Well, they're acting like it. Uh, how would um, so I've 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 have my um, Snyder charger set with the. Cutoff voltage, you know, the full charge voltage that they specified, and it went through a full cycle and quit. Right, but that Including might be the regular charge cycle. That, that would be the regular charge cycle once you've done the initiating charge cycle, which would be to a higher voltage. So you got to call kilovolt and talk to them about it. Ask them specifically about the initial charge where you calibrate uh, I see what the BMS. You're you want to go higher. Yeah, according to what the manufacturer says is their protocol for for calibrating the BMS system. Yeah. What was your question? My question was, was I overcharging them? Probably not. If you're if you have your charger set to the proper voltages as they recommend, then yeah. once they are calibrated, it should work fine. But if they aren't calibrated, you don't know what they really are. It's it's like having a having a you know the fuel gauge in your car just be randomly set instead of actually full when it's really full. You know you just you don't know unless you've actually calibrated that. To use your analogy, I went through you know the the rain cycle recently and uh, usually um charged during that, but I found that they had so much charge left in them that I didn't, and they all cycled down to the you know virtually the same numbers. And then, you know, 76, 75, I guess. And then uh, I've come back up to nearly 96 now today. So that's that's good. They're operating within a similar in a similar uh, point. If you if you notice them drifting over time, though, you might need to recalibrate them again. Okay. Uh, yeah, it takes a little well, finesse. Uh, they're, they're certainly available. I'll bounce that off. Cool. Yeah. yeah. The lithium cells you know, are a really good good cell, but if the uh, BMS is not calibrated properly, they don't know what's going on internally. Kind of like, okay. like the old trimetric that always said full when you first turned it on. Oh, God. Exactly. <laughs> good luck, um, Bill. So how would I... Okay, back to my original question. How would I... Let's say I calibrate them right. Yeah. And let's say their meter reading was right. How do I stop them at 95% and keep my solar system from keep driving them to 99% to make the batteries uh-huh. last longer? Because I got huge... I mean, today, I had charging going on at 5.30 today because I have a, just a perfect window. But anyway. Well, your battery, your charger is going to have uh, some different set points you can work with, like your your target voltage, uh, yeah. how high it's going to get. Uh, that can be adjusted up or down a little bit. Well, and that's also, what I was you're thinking of bringing that down so that it would quit at ninety five percent and not go for the full ninety nine. Assuming that the batteries are fully calibrated. Well, that target voltage is only part of the equation. The other part is the absorb time. Uh, some of the lithium manufacturers are suggesting to go with a lower charging target voltage, but then they're adding absorb time onto it. Uh, well, they told so, they actually want two minutes or less of absorb time and absorb voltage, which is just like 
probably good. You're probably going to get a bigger uh, a bigger effect than by using a slightly lower charging voltage. I think um, so. I think I will, but I just wanted to bounce that off. And and is it possible that the percentage being reported is of that twenty percent full to ninety five percent full treated as a hundred percent? I you know you have that's an incredibly good question because another thing that's going on is the counting cycles. Now I've had them on for ten days that count two and three cycles. Huh. So well yeah. the 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 cycle counter on a on a kilovolt battery is reflecting like one hundred percent cycles. Ah. So if you, if you were to cycle your battery fifty percent down and recharge it cycle it back down 50% and then recharge it, that would be considered one cycle. Or six days of 15% is one cycle. Right. Right. Okay, that's basically that's, what's going on. Okay, I get it. Yeah. That's how that cycle counter works. And okay. you might be able to tell from that what they mean by 100%. Whether it's truly 100% or it's 100% of the 20% to 95%. Oh, I thought I was trying to figure out what the bottom voltage was, but my voltage is considered a cycle. Good luck sure. with your explorations. Bye-bye. Bye. And we've had a ton of people calling in during that call, and I'm sorry we didn't pick it up. I'm too good at uh, cutting people off when I pick them up. So call in again. Hello, caller. You're on the air. I had a question about uh, converting a 230-volt uh, well pump to solar and um, wanted to find out the most cost-effective way and most reliable would like to have our what we have is a half horsepower 230 volt 60 hertz well pump the well is 110 feet deep from the height of the pump then another 30 feet three gallons per minute and wanted to disconnect the well from pg&e and um Wanted to know what you guys would recommend for how many solar panels and what kit to buy and who to contact. Wow. Um, well, first of all, it's, is it pumping to a gravity feed storage tank? No. No, we haven't put a tank on the property yet. But you're going to? Yeah. And that'll be enough pressure from the tank without a pressure tank? Uh... I don't know. No, Probably. I'm, I'm talking I'm talking about, you know, a couple thousand gallon tank. I'm not talking one of these little yeah. bl- blue pressure. No, tanks. You know, I understand. Yeah. Um, so you have a spot you're gonna be able to put a tank up on a hill forty feet above uh like a house or wherever the water's gonna be used? No, uh uh-uh, no we don't. So just wanna be able to take showers and have water for uh cooking and then uh, we have a. Uh, a small garden. All right. So here's the thing is that if you have a storage tank that's on the ground level, on the same level approximately where you're using the water, then you're going to need to have a way of pressurizing the water in order to deliver it. Uh, the the great thing, if you had topography, if you have hills and you can put the tank up 40 feet above where you're going to be using the water, then you get to gravity feed once the tank is full. With, with sure. no power needed at that point. 
you're putting the donkey before the or the cart before the donkey. I don't care about the storage tank. I just want to find out about the well. What can we? What should we buy? What's well, a good way to go? The reason we were asking that is because uh, if you don't have a large gravity feed storage tank, then the well pump has to act as an on-demand pressure pump, which means it right. has to be able to turn on whenever you're using water. Which on, which, which on the standard solar water pumping systems, it only runs at a slow and steady rate all day long at whatever rate the sun's shining, and never at all at night. And so that type of system is out of the works for you. So you would have to put in a battery-based inverter system. Yeah, that's what we want. And uh, that's fairly expensive. Um Although yours isn't huge, um, my tendency is to look at a fairly modest uh, magnum inverter that can provide the the 240, um, and you'd have to crunch some numbers on your consumption to see how big of a solar array and battery bank you'd need. Yeah, the PG&E bill is 300 a month. For just the well? No, no, for the whole farm. Uh, so what's that got to do with unplugging the well? I don't know. See, um, I'm just telling you what I know, and uh, it, that's our that's our bill. I don't know what the well's using. I'd have to get somebody to probably figure that out. Yeah. Well, that, that's an important uh, well, piece of... How many batteries, how many solar panels, and well, what kind of inverter? Yeah, we'd, we'd have to ask, you know, what the, what the actual gallons per day of consumption was, and... Sure. Uh, um, you guys have a you guys have a way of contacting you off the air, maybe with some more detailed conversation. I could pay you some money. Sure. Uh, another thing you might consider is putting in a modest uh, grid tied system and not disconnecting from the grid, but having a battery backup. Yeah, that's a good idea too. Um, who can I call that isn't going to rip me off and, and is knowledgeable? I. I, I Certainly be Sounds willing. Like you guys are pretty good. Who, I, who I, are you anyway? I'm Doug Livingston. I'd, I'd be willing to give you some advice. Uh, I'm. Uh, you could email me at livingstonconsulting at hughes dot net, and uh, and we could carry on a little bit. Livingston Consulting. Typing with one finger here, and we, then I'll get off the air. I'm very grateful. Yeah, and I'm not supposed at, to be promoting myself on the air, at but Hughes, I don't care. I just <laughs> need to get help. At Hughes, H U G H E S. Right. Dot net. H U G H U G H E S. Dot net. Right. Hey, thank you so much. And hey, bless sure your enough. Bye bye. Oh, they were there just a second ago. Hello, Kyle. You're live on the air. Hi. Uh, I'm wondering if uh, anybody out there is doing conversions. Uh, lots uh, of people what? are doing conversions. They're oh, converting oh, from one sex to I'm another. They're converting from one unit second. to another. Uh, <laughs> of, of like, uh, how about a Tacoma pickup truck? Somebody said that in Europe there's people taking the Tesla uh, all their gizmos and throwing them in uh, regular gas-powered vehicles. You know, removing. Oh, we used to do that all the time. There was I know, there was a whole club that would do now, that. I haven't heard anybody doing it, but new new time. You know, nowadays, anybody doing that around here? I'm not aware of it. Hey, Alex, no, have you have you seen anybody 
now that there are electric vehicles commercially made doing that? Uh, I don't know anybody who's doing it professionally, but it is something that's uh, possible. Uh, the, the junior college, uh, uh, Mendocino Junior College is setting up an EV lab uh, for next year. And uh, they're going to be probably able to do things like uh, retrofit uh, retrofit vehicles. My son's in that program. He's actually interested in looking at some old classic cars and putting EV uh, motors in them. Oh, that's so, so cool. It's starting up again. Call Mendocino College. Yeah, yeah. Okay, folks. I mean, it's like I'm not ready to buy a Tesla quite yet. Well, how about how about an F-150 next year? Um, I, I'm a, a new truck. I don't know. I got a, I, I got a truck. Take out, take out my gas motor and throw in a bunch of batteries, and and I'm happy. <laughs> I, I think it's, it's not that simple. Kind of a, people in the hills I, I hope that it starts happening yeah it's, it's definitely uh coming around the corner that, that i think there's going to be more of that available uh part of it's going to be the um the used equipment market you know from uh yeah. vehicles that are salvaged and you, stuff like that you might right. look you might look up online and see if the electro automotive association is still alive Okay, Electro Automotive Association. It sounds like that. And uh, get in touch with uh, Mendocino College. JC. Yeah. Okay, cool. Thanks, guys. Good luck, Captain. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Well, we got a few more minutes left in open lines, 895-2448, if you've been trying to call in and wanting to join the conversation. But, boy, yeah, some of the... The conversions I used to see, and in fact, it was pickup trucks we used to see it a lot on, uh, yeah, because they yeah, had they had batteries. a decent suspension, and we had to use lead acid batteries back at the time, so it had to handle that. I remember uh, John Schaefer's lead sled. <laughs> Hello, caller, you live on the air. What's that noise? Hello. Hello. Hi. We I have he- a question about. Battery for electric. You want to ask the question? Go ahead. Go ahead. You ask. Uh, so, just about the practicality of charging an EV um, off of a solar array. Like, how big of a solar array would you need? Well, well there's some uh, calculations in there. One of the things you want to keep in mind is that most electric vehicles can get about three miles per kilowatt hour stored energy. So when you start looking at your solar array, if you have like a you know three kilowatt solar array, you might be able to get you know five hours worth of sun on it during a good you know summertime. So you might be able to get about fifteen uh, kilowatt hours in a day of, of uh, power from your solar array. So fifteen kilowatt hours times three miles is about forty five miles a day worth of charging. So those are the numbers uh-huh. you got to start with, and then you got to work into your equipment from there. So the key number is. How many miles per day are you driving? Right. Well, it'd probably be more like, you know, driving a longer distance occasionally. But that sounds like it's probably um, doable if you're not driving a lot of miles every day and in the summertime. But in the wintertime, it may not be feasible, right? To, well, you can use other sources as well, too. Uh, so, I mean, I've got some go off to have off-grid power systems where the off-grid 
you know, battery isn't as big as the battery in the car, but they're able to, you know, get like their daily driving, like 15 miles worth of, uh, of driving, you know, from their solar array, and that's all they really need on a daily basis. Uh, they can, uh, when they need bigger chargers, they can go into town and use a charger, you know, a commercial charger somewhere, but they can do their daily yeah. topping off at home. Yeah, so what, what was that general rule again? It, it's about five miles per kilowatt hour? Three. Or three miles per three. kilowatt hour? Three. 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 Okay. Yeah. But, that's but, pretty typical across EVs. I mean, like but, the F-150 that's coming out, that's a bigger vehicle, right? So yeah, and, and each 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 vehicle is slightly different. This is just a crude ballpark rule of thumb, and you should probably look up the specific vehicle you're looking at. And you should also try to map out, you know, how your usage, how your driving usage is going to happen. Is it, you know, five miles a day, and then one day it's going to be 60? Or are you talking, you know suddenly doing 200 and then you got to start worrying about the range of yeah. a full battery. Yeah. If you live at the top of the grade or the top of the hill, you don't want to charge your battery to 100% before you go downhill because you're going to get regenerative braking on your way down too. So, you know, there's all kinds of little strategies. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And, and then do you think that the, uh, the network of um, publicly available charging charging stations out there is at this point sufficient so you can no. You don't have to worry that much. Not yet. It's in development. No. It's coming, though. Yeah. It's better every yeah. year, but I, I think we got a long ways to go before people will be fully comfortable with long-distance traveling. And plus, remember, it takes yeah. a while to charge. So, right. So you'll be sitting yeah. around at the charging station for a while. So it's not yeah. not necessarily the best for you know cross-country traffic, but uh, but it sure is ideal for most people's every day driving yeah shorter shorter poles yeah, yeah. well yeah, i mean a lot of people okay. you know are commuting 30 day, 30 miles a day or something like that and and that's quite handleable but uh but then trying to drive it across the country you can you're gonna have to stop and charge for a couple hours to bring it up to 80 percent again right right so, okay great well thank you guys sure enough good luck bye-bye Thanks. Bye. One more call. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Oh, just wanted to get in on the conversation. It seems like it's definitely going to be um, the ease of charging. Hopefully we're caught up enough to where people aren't running extension cords out to the Costco parking lot while they're shopping. <laughs> but, um, well, hopefully the Costco parking happen. lot... I don't know. The Costco uh, parking lot has... Uh, has charging stalls. Yeah, that's the question, I guess, that I'm coming. I wanted to get it. But if you were to have a wish list of, of changing any code in our county, um, what, what would it be to allow us to move towards this more? Uh, How about new, ap new apartment buildings having to provide charging outlets in their parking. Oh, my How about gosh, an ambitious infrastructure bill? What'd you say, Alex? How about an ambitious infrastructure bill? Yeah, an ambitious infrastructure bill, which uh, Mr. West Virginia is blocking. I, I don't know if our county is going to be able to do that, but since we are getting some new housing, which is really great, it sure would be nice if they would at least put the conduit in the in the ground now and some of the infrastructure in the walls 
before um, it's required, uh, just as some forward thinking. So we aren't running around with extension cords. Yeah, yeah. When you Thanks put in a new electrical service, you're required to include a uh, conduit for electric vehicle charging for future use now. That is in the code? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. You need, you need to put it in. It's part of California code now. You have to put in the conduit, but not necessarily the wire or the charging station. Right. But you have to set it up. But you have to at least make it accessible from mm-hmm. the panel without you know breaking open the walls again. Yeah, okay. Cool. Well, we're down to the last few minutes. Uh, uh, we've still got callers calling in. I'm afraid it's not enough time left to, to let that happen. Whoops. Uh, yeah, so quick little thought, though, is that uh, installed solar grid tie costs typically about $0.15 cents per kilowatt hour a lifetime. Uh, it can be less or more depending upon the ease of installation. So at three miles per kilowatt hour, you're talking about $0.05 cents per mile driving fuel costs with electric vehicles if you're doing it from solar. Way cheaper than gas. Yeah. Uh, you know, 30 miles per gallon at $3 a gallon would be $0.10 cents a mile, and who, who can find $3 a gallon gas anymore? Not to mention oil filters, oil, uh, all that sort of stuff that... Mufflers and things that go away. Yeah, it's a lot lot cheaper operating expense. They're more expensive up front, but they're a lot cheaper in the long run. No one's going to steal your catalytic converter on an electric car. And since those topics came up on the uh, end of the show, uh, we are still working on on somebody who's working on uh, getting chargers spread throughout the area. EV chargers. And we'll be back in two weeks. Good night, all. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.